0: Now, we'll get started with the show and I'll edit it from this point forward. And I'll tell you when we're all air. How about that? I'm going to punch you.
1: I am so, I cannot. Hey, y'all, if you're listening and he says he's just now pushed the recording button, he's, a, he's an ass. he's an ass he should have pushed the recording button a long time ago because briscoe and i had the greatest story and it was one of those moments that were so real no one zip it zip it it. zip it it. no one wants to hear from you so it's like here we go here we go i'll give you a good introduction i'm gonna lie i don't need no introduction Ah, sit down strap in and crank it up Ah. because you are listening to the briscoe and medusa show very thank you would you, you shut you. up so I can start the show? Oh, you haven't started.
0: Let me let me guess. Did you push record? We are recording right now. Oh, good.
1: Don't edit. The it.
2: show hasn't officially started.
1: Well, it has I mean, now. The host? Start. Yes.
2: Medusa, you're right. Uh, Debra, you're right. Uh, the, the, what, what Layfield? I mean, you know, working with the working with a Texan is, is just so difficult. Because I think they know it. We have missed so many. I mean, award-winning moments because Layfield can't figure out what that O N stands for or that O F F stands for. Well, I, I tell can him, tell him what that OFF is. You and you know, I had to get, you know, we had not seen each other because we see each other all the time, you know, used to. And we'll get into that later on. I used to think you were stalking me to tell me to tell
1: you,
2: <laughs> <laughs> but who would? <laughs> but any anyway, he never pushes the button. We had Stan Hansen on. We had Michael Hayes and Michael with Carson and all. You know how Michael is. And,
1: mm. You know, um, I got a good Michael was, Hayes story too.
2: Uh, we're going to get into that. But wait a minute. Uh, so anyway, John, it's your turn. We
0: start the show. But we have been recording. And I'm going to put all that on air just to show you how you mistreat me. What oh,
1: good, good, good. You know what? Because everyone's going to back my ass up. you damn straight. No, they're, not. They're, on, yes. they're on
0: our side. On- they don't
1: like you. They don't like you.
0: you Nobody stop does. <laughs> Welcome to Stories with Briscoe and Bradshaw. That's Briscoe. I'm Bradshaw. And in the world of professional wrestling, certain people have legacies defined. They define generations. There are cornerstones of generations. On the men's side, it's Frank Gotch, it's Lou Thez, Bruno San Martino, Hulk Hogan, Stone Cold Steve Austin, John Cena, and many others. And on the women's side, it's Mildred Burke, it's Wendy Richter, it's the fabulous Mula, Sherry Martel, and our guest, Medusa Alundra Blaze who not only was the first non-Japanese woman to sign a contract to go to Japan and work for Giant Baba with All Japan, 40,000 people in the Edo, Edo watching her fight over that championship, she also was the spark for the Monday Night Wars and a roundabout reason for the Montreal Screwjob. Mm. And despite all this, <laughs> after a wrestling Hall of Fame career, She then had a Hall of Fame monster truck career. Two-time world champion, defeated her mentor, the legendary Dennis Anderson, 2005, first woman world champion. She is Medusa Alunderblaze, and she has a huge crush on me. Welcome to the show.
1: Oh my gosh. Thank you for that intro. Thank you. I I just need to ask something. Is the record button on? Yes. The record buttons. Okay. Open. Just checking, just checking. Well, it's an honor to be here, even though you give kind of, you know, screwed up instructions on how to get on to zoom and then you have to resend everything, but it's okay. You're a Texan.
2: <laughs> uh, thank you. Then now, you know what I put up with all these times, you know, people ask, yes. how is it working with Layfield? Well, I got to <laughs> give, give, give that text to do. He's probably one of the most brilliant guys out there that, that, you know that's ever graced the, the square and circle, but when it comes to things like this, when it comes to common sense, uh, Medusa, <laughs> this guy, this guy, he he left, he left, he left them in a change
1: bucket at at uh,
2: suckies down on uh, on I thirty five south.
1: Oh my! Well, uh, first of all, I want to tell you though. I'm just even looking back at at your career, John. It's just been. You're good. Your psychology is amazing. I wish I would have got to work with you. It would have been great. Um, I just. Uh, you could have been really... with me instead
0: of Rick Rude. <laughs> well, I don't know. No, no. Rude, Rude was pretty good. Rude was, Rude was it awesome.
1: was good. I got some great Rick Rude stories, too, and Paul Heyman stories. So uh, but we will not get to any of them. So um, <laughs> maybe, maybe not. But uh, yeah, I mean, I loved your career. I just thought you were great. Uh, I don't even know if we really did cross paths in Japan. I was hoping, but we didn't. And um, I just, uh, gosh, there's one one person I wish I would have worked with, Briscoe. Absolutely. Well, tell
0: me about like I interviewed you for Legends with JBL on the WWE Network, and you told me about your starting up in Minnesota because I started up in Minnesota too with Brad Rygins and uh, the, the mm-hmm. gym, which was <laughs> an absolute. Was that not the biggest chemical factory in the world, the gym? <laughs> Remember that huge gym? They had,
1: they had oh, a- and Brad Riggins? yes, yes, you know, not, not Brad. You had Brad
0: Riggins, but then you had the gym. It was just the gym. The oh, that yes. Gym. And you had like 40 guys who bench-pressed 500 pounds back in the early 90s. It was mm-hmm. it was
1: insane. It was a great gym. And um, were you – gosh, I can't believe, did we ever really cross paths then? Because you were no, already gone. It, you were in
0: Japan when I was uh, up there with Brad. <sighs> what year,
2: Japan. Medusa, was you up there with the Brad and, and uh, Eddie?
1: I'm going to say 87, 88. No because I was in Japan in 88 89 and 90 so it had to be like 86 86 85 86
2: 87 wow you hear of all these horror stories you know the, the guys the the uh you know the 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 uh the abuse that the guys took you know from the sheik and and all these guys that was training Ed, Ed, Eddie's such a sweetheart of a man it's it's hard for me to imagine Eddie being being on you but Brad Regan. Brad is one of the baddest SOBs that walked the face of the earth. Did did you get into that Greco training? Did you get into that international training? I mean, were were they as rough on, on you ladies as, as they supposedly were on the guys?
1: I wish I would have had more time with Brad, but he I I I did. I got some great training with brad um at his place and um just i'm getting some flashbacks with you know it was like a a big building um at his play at his house or something maybe i can't remember where it was
0: when i was there he had the ring in in
1: his basement i don't know was it in the basement oh i don't know this was a building It's like a steel building or something. But anyway, he um, yeah, I got to train with him and uh, I wish we would have had more time. And yes, they were rough. I remember when I first walked into the place um, that, you know, I was being introduced to this from, you know, from Ed Sharkey and whatnot. And he's like, "Okay, um, 200 squats. I was like, what? Are you shitting me? I did you know, you know, the old when you had a test and you're sitting there and they made you do 150 squats at a time and I'm like, Oh my god, boom, and then they throw your ass in the ring and just stretch your ass. And um, uh, well, I overcame all of that and I came out well. So now, Yeah, you I were a nurse
2: you were a nurse at this time when, when you when you get in, what were you working in a gym and somebody sees you and said, Hey, you know, uh uh you would be good at, at uh, professional wrestling or at, no. at, at, No, I was putting myself
1: through nursing. I was putting myself through nursing in Minneapolis. And um, a girlfriend of mine was dating a Hollywood stunt coordinator, which he coordinated all of um, Dar Robinson's uh, uh, movies, which he did a lot of all the stunts for Burt Reynolds. So he um, was. They used to tell me I looked
2: like Burt Reynolds, by the way. Oh, boy. Hmm?
1: (laughs) And uh, you're still good looking, sir. Uh-huh. And so, um, yeah. So my girlfriend was dating him, and then we were at so we were out at a beach bar in Lake Minnetonka. We'd hang out at Lake Minnetonka, and uh, we were playing volleyball. And he was just sitting there. And he, I was a big jock and a gymnast, of course, and uh, very athletic. And he said, "You know, you'd be really good in the entertainment business." And I'm like, "Yeah, right on. I could be a stunt woman. I'm a badass." And uh, he's like, "No, professional wrestling." And I was like, oh, uh-huh. "Shit, no." Hell no. And Had then, you watched Danny um, wrestling? Yeah. Well, I saw, I heard in f- a few things and you know, in the rumble, I'm from Minnesota. So yeah, with Vern Gania there and everything. And so um, I was like, I never paid no mind, you know. And so um he kept bugging me and I thought, God, this my girlfriend's dating him and what a freaking dude, what a you. He's trying to oh, he's trying to beg me or something. I was like totally turned off because I, you know, I didn't know. He's just very aggressive in a nice way though. And so finally, I said, okay, what do you got? And he goes, professional wrestling. And, you know, a friend of mine owes me a favor, which was Ed Sharkey owed him something because who knows what Ed was doing. And so um, he introduced me to Ed and he took me on. And, of course, the old story is, you know, Ed Sharkey did not pay me for like two, three years and I got paid $5 my first match after three years. Was
2: you paying him to train you?
1: Um, no, the, the thing came from, um, Kai Michelson is his name from Minneapolis. He's, he was the stunt coordinator and, uh, I guess he owed Kai some money. And so Kai and I were, you know, he just said, you know what? He owes me money. So I want you to do this. Cause I think you're going to be great at it. So he took, and so, Anyway, they worked it out, and I got to go and train with him for free, uh, apparently. And But he kept whatever for about three years, and then he decided to pay me $5. Five so <laughs> Five freaking dollars after three years. And uh, let me tell you, there's a lot of... and he charge you
2: trance on the road.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I mean, a lot of us uh, roomed together. I remember I slept in a hotel tub while all the guys were out in the other room. Yeah, I mean, it was... Pretty what kind brutal. of relationship
0: do you have with Ed Sharkey afterwards? I mean, did,
1: Oh, great. Are you kidding me? A great, great relationship
0: for three years. He didn't pay you for three years.
1: Yeah. He, even to this day, he'll say, who said I paid her even $5, <laughs> <laughs> you know? Um, so I don't know. Yeah. So I haven't seen him in a long time and I would love to see him. Um, is he, he's still around, right? I don't even
2: yeah, know. Still around. I saw him last year up in, uh, Okay. Or two good. years ago, up in Iowa.
1: Okay, I in Iowa is he living in Iowa or Minnesota? No,
2: he was. At, he still lives in Minnesota, but we do the that Big Dan Gable Museum thing down in Waterloo, Iowa, and I wanted him to come down so we could honor Eddie Sharkey in Iowa. So uh, he came down. for
0: it. We wrestled a match one time when Eddie was the referee up in Minnesota. This was when I was with WWE, and I yes. told Eddie when I get in the ring with the rope and start swinging around, just powder out of the ring. I you know, said so otherwise, you know, I'm <laughs> to hit you or something. But he tripped on getting out of the ring. Said, yeah. I've already gone toward him. I said, sorry, Eddie. He goes, You gotta do it, kid. And I just beat him with the rope.
1: <laughs> I can just see him. Go, go, do it. It's be good go for ahead. the business. Go, 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 do it. But oh, big, he was a good your, team got, player though. You got your big break from Wahoo, right? Wahoo called you, wanted to come work with Vern. That's what it was. He um he's the one that called and just said hi, my name is Wahoo McDaniel. And I'm like, oh shit, is this for real? And I remember I was at my grandmother's house and I'm like, yeah, is this for real? He goes, yeah, this is Wahoo. and work with Vern Gania and and I want to know if you want to come in for a meeting. And I'm like, oh, this is, oh my God, this is it. Uh. So I went in there and I remember walking in uh, the office. His was in this room and it was really long and Vern's desk was way on one side. And there was this long table on the other. And we all sat there and Vern stayed at his table <laughs> at his desk. And while and, and, uh, Wahoo and I were sitting at the table talking and um, I remember Vern at there, and he, when he spoke, he spoke and he'd go, he'd <laughs> <sighs> always hiss. Like he did. Yeah. And I, I don't know. He was just, he, he spoke and he hissed and uh, it was, he smiled a lot though. And um, he told me, we have a program. We want you to work Sherry Martell. And I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, we're trying to get Sherry in here and have her come in. And, of course, Sherry, I don't know, she probably didn't make it or was late. And I think she already knew she was going to WWF at the time. And I think they knew and they wanted someone to come in and do the angle and you know, take the title. So, but I will tell you, Vern Gagne was so good to us girls. Oh my God, he was so good. I was so green and so awful and so horrible. And, but he kept putting me on that damn TV and I was scared to death and I couldn't speak. And, but I was still out there on that camera and he just believed in me. And I remember when I got my first paycheck guys, it was $800 when I wrestled at the cow palace against Sherry, $800 back then. Um, I was like, I was living the dream, you know, I was was able to,
0: I think this is a cool story. What you did with your first $800.
1: Yes. My first paycheck, I was so in debt guys. I mean, there was, there's huge backstories up until this point and it just, you know, I I lost everything or by this time, the first time around. And, uh, I was like, Oh my God, I can't, I couldn't even eat, you know, it was just whatever. So anyway, we, um, I would always go to the, um, the cemetery and, and, you know, tried to visit my family. And there was three had three places, three markers there that weren't, didn't have markers. And I could never find them, even though I went to the front desk and say, give me the map and I could never find them. So that first $800 check, I, I bought um, headstones for the grave sites and that's what I do with it. And it's still, it's still, of course, they're still there today um, uh, to uh, Grandma Magelli and Marce, uh, my aunt, which she used to, uh, she was a ballet dancer in the Nutcracker. And um, yeah, it was amazing.
0: I think if I hadn't been paid for three years, I'd have bought a headstone for Ed Sharkey.
1: <laughs> 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 That's I hope, a I good hope one. You know I what? It. I just may, I just still may. <laughs>
0: Oh I my god. That's the for. By the way, the name just popped up. Your name when you entered into the Zoom call was baddest bitch ever. Yeah, What is was your name.
1: Yeah, baddest bitch ever. Yeah, I I changed it just for you guys. Yep. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> right, tell us about the gopher in uh, with Vern's territory. AWA. The gopher who later became somebody very important who might be about to yes,
1: go. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Let me see. Hmm, he's got a big moment coming up. Okay. So, um, there was this guy, I mean, just young, and he had this desk as he walked into the TV area and, um, he had uh, a picture of himself, I think, and his wife. <laughs> and, and um, um, he was, um, the gopher, for Vern. He used to run FedExes in the mail and just did all the grunt work and whatever. And, um, I thought, well, God, that's really kind of a good looking guy. And I'm, and I remember walking over to the desk. I remember to this day and I looked, I'm like, oh, this guy, he's got a picture of himself. God, that woman is gorgeous. Oh my God. She's like a model. And, uh, it's Eric Bischoff. Wow. So, Eric was there and, uh, he'd always, you know, run all the little errands and he had a beautiful picture of his wife. I'll never forget it. And I thought, my God, she's a top model or something. Right. And, um, that's how Eric and I, um, met each other was an AWA. So, Uh, fast forward funny you said that i just wanted to wait till the dust settled right because eric just got um invited to be inducted into the wwe hall of fame and i wanted to wait a little bit which i usually do with people i usually wait that 24 48 hour period and because you get bombarded right with everybody text calls and whatever so i just hit him up this morning before the zoom and i told him i am so happy for him um that uh you know, he was a big staple in the business and that he changed the world of wrestling, definitely. Um, Big component. And uh, I was so, so happy for him and that I loved him and his family. So, I don't want to embarrass... Congratulations, uh, Eric. Briscoe here, but, You know, I
0: don't know if you knew this, but one time in Oklahoma, uh Eric Bischoff stretched Jerry Briscoe
2: on Jerry's birthday. What?
1: Birthday. Yeah, like, Wait a my, minute.
2: Sick, my 60th birthday, if you can believe I'm that old. Well, <laughs>
1: <laughs> he, no, stre- he stretched you what were you doing
2: he threatened me he oh i thought you said
1: stretch my- no, no, he stretched
0: he stretched it they, now dude, they actually got into a shoot wrestling match in their suits in a bar after, after tv of people it didn't quite come out the way that i said it, it actually came out the other way but uh huh. Let me set the scene. What now, happened? Yeah.
2: I, 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 let me set the scene. Yeah. Now, I, I'm 60. I just turned 60 years old. We're in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I grew up right outside of Tulsa. You know, just 50 miles away from Tulsa. I mean, it's my home state.
1: Right. And
2: I'm sitting there with three of the biggest wise asses that this business has ever produced, and they're all Texans. They're except one uh, from. Springfield, Mass, or wherever the hell that is, but uh, <laughs> it was it was John Layfield. It was that brother love Bruce Prichard right there. That tells you there's going to be trouble.
1: <laughs> right? Yeah, with those two together.
2: And we're celebrating my sixtieth birthday. Also, and in the was was uh, Eric Bischoff and that John Cena and i mean john you know john john's an instigator just like these guys are and he jumps on when you're down like don't don't let that baby face uh uh fool you because when you're down and he wants to jump he jumps with both feet on just like layfield and and pritchard do so i don't even know how i come up you don't know, remember in my home state, that oklahoma well you know, Briscoe was a tough guy here in Oklahoma. And, you know, he's 60, all of that. Bring another round of drinks. So we're bringing – we're drinking – we, we drank – didn't we drink the bar dry that night? We John? did. We drank the bar dry. We totally drank it dry. But it's Oklahoma, so we know they got a back room with a reserve back here in Oklahoma. So we told them hit <laughs> that back room, and they did. And they brought us more liquor. So there were some guys sitting at the uh, – Sitting at the bar, all dressed up, look like they just come out of a back end where you could actually have meetings one on one, face to face. Look like they just come out with these high level profiles, and you know, vent TV hotels. We say at the nice hotel, you know, so mm-hmm. it's a nice hotel and so nice bar. But we're in Oklahoma, so uh, <laughs> you know they, they're sixty years old, and 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 fell and all well, he did is, and, and all of a sudden, just out of nowhere. <laughs> Little Eric just looked up out of his his quarter beer and said, guys, he's 60 years old. He can't be that tough. Mm. And holy shit. Mm. Pritchard, uh, Layfield, (laughs) and Cena just bust started. But he just punked you, Briscoe. What are you going to do in your home state? And I'm saying, I'm not wanting to do that. I'm 60 years old, man. And I'm having a good time. I'm drinking beer (laughs) with what I thought was friends. And now they're trying to get me into a fight on a barroom floor <laughs> in Oklahoma. I said, ma'am, so Eric, Eric, and they, they keep on egging. Eric okay, well, can't like, be that he's 60 years old. <laughs> and finally, you know, I just had all, all the harassment you can take, you know, you can take so much harassment if you're competitive, you know, and yes. I just, I just took it and I took it Finally, I said, uh, Eric what do you want to do then you know how you want to find out so i stood up you know like a fool eric stands up now i'm thinking holy shit i'm you know i'm a mark i hear i hear all that stuff what he challenged you i'm 15 time karate champion i'm 20 time judo black belt Uh, man i'm 60 years old what am i gonna do you know you know you know, so I, you know, while he's talking, you know, I, I just decide, hell, I'm going to double leg his ass while he's talking, you know. And, and so he's he running his mouth. So I double leg him. And I and now my, we're all, we're still in our coat and ties from, from TV. I don't want to put him down hard on the floor because, you know, he might get a little nasty, he might get mad. So I, I double leg his ass in like five, ten seconds. I set him up where I got full control with him. And I just set him right back down in his damn bar, uh, bar uh, seat there. You know, nothing, no harm, no, no foul, nobody's dirty, nobody's sweat, <laughs> nobody tore the jacket up, nothing. Set back down and like, well, you didn't take him down. Yeah, oh. And then, then Eric started, yeah, you didn't take my ass. I, I just double-egged your ass and set you down because I didn't want to hurt you. Now we're standing back up. And now I'm starting to get that Indian temper starting to get a little mad, you know, okay. You know, and Eric starting to stay, talk crap to me, so. And and then uh, Cena, 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 Cena's as bad as both of those guys put together (laughs) when he gets rolling. So, and then John Cena's a world. Well, hell, I got to impress a world champion. Why? I'm 60 years old. I don't have to impress nobody. So, so I start horsing around with Eric a little bit. I grab his head. And I kind of, kind of feel, you know, when you, you, you know, I've read about you. You done the kickboxing. You, you kind of feel when somebody's a little hesitant. They don't really want to go, you know. Uh-huh. just when you lock up with them. Yeah. I locked up, and I could tell Eric was terrified. You know, so I started. I started <laughs> you
1: would never admit it.
2: <laughs> no, I started the head control on him and everything. So I, I kind of took a couple of steps with him, and I knew where I could control his body. So. All of a sudden, I snapped him down. On the way I snapped him down, I grabbed the front face lock on him and hooked him, overhooked him. He ended up flat on his back, what, John? 30 seconds, 40 seconds, something like that. And I wrap got a deal of John's experience many times where I just wrap my arm around and i cup your face like right that where you can't breathe. You can't breathe out of your okay. nose. You can't breathe out of your mouth. You're, and, and I'm and I'm, I'm torquing that neck up. Now I got his neck Bent this way and couldn't breathe, and I know that <laughs> artery there where it pumped that air up to him. It stuck, out I got a good, pretty good grip on that. Right, uh, and 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 so Eric starts this. Oh, tapping. On. And John said, "God damn it, Eric, that's not tapping. Tap like you mean it." Now, now the whole bar is resonating. Tap like you mean it. Tap like it. Pretty soon, Eric's damn ripping my shoulder off, yeah, cause I can feel his body start to lose control because he's <laughs> he's losing the breath. So I let him go, get up, and uh, Eric. Uh, said, Eric, I I actually helped Eric up and set him back down in his chair gave him another beer. And God damn, he goddamn hit or something. I forgot what to do, but they, uh, they got me in a fight on my 60th birthday. I could have been rushed to the hospital with with coronary uh, disease and all that stuff, but they all they did was laugh at me.
1: No, but you know what? You know what's so amazing about the story? Not only did Eric tap out like a bitch, you remember the best sixtieth birthday of your life. That is amazing. That's that is amazing. so good. I That's a great story. And two, and just said- go ahead.
2: I couldn't have spent it with better friends, yeah.
1: Yeah, and what great antagonists. I mean, between Pritchard and uh, their Mr. Producer himself and Cena, I mean... Boy, what a motley crew that was. Hey, and
0: Eric didn't do himself any favors. I, I love Eric. So does Jerry. It, yes. you know, they rearranged a lot of furniture in the entire bar in their suits.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I can only imagine. I've seen it. So I know when the when you guys get down like that and have a good time, a wrestlers, so everything stops and they watch. And it is when it's a great. Said,
0: Look, I'll give it a go.
2: We all win. Ooh, ooh.
1: <laughs> That's <what he's>
2: called. <laughs> and I'm not wanting to do anything. I'm just wanting to drink my beer and have yes, a good time let me
1: drink go. my beer. Why do I got to do this? All right. Don't keep begging me on. But they know that egging on is going to it's going to come to something. But I got a great segue to that. Here's another Eric story. So when we were in WCW, Eric would always fish like, hey, you know, I'm this black belt. I know karate and I'm going to do this and I can do that. And I'm going to he was, why don't we do a segment? Um, and, uh, because I was studying, you know, all of this in Japan. Right. So it was kind of like, you know, and he wanted to see what I had, I think. And so he had this, taped and we were sparring in the ring and I was coming at him in the corner. I don't know. It's out there on YouTube somewhere and um, I was coming at him in the corner just kicking the shit. He had his headgear on. He had all his shit on. He was hiding and the feet were coming up. Bam, 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 doo, 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 right in front and Eric's like this in the corner. like, okay, you know, enough and then I hit my promo. So, yeah, I think he was, uh, I think he was reliving or no, this was before your 60th birthday. So, maybe, uh, he took a few that's awesome
2: take take us back now when you you went to japan you you were the uh, as John said you were you were one of the first ladies uh, uh to sign a, a international contract with a japanese organization was it strictly women's organization at that time or did or did it have men in it too or how how did all that transpire
1: there was no there was no <coughs> genders um uh, no intergender wrestling it was all japan women's pro wrestling Uh, and, uh, it was the first woman to ever sign a deal. Um, it was on a handshake in fact, and then, um, the lawyers got involved, which they're not, they weren't used to, you know, involving lawyers, but here's a woman that came in that, uh, treated it like a business back in the eighties when she first started that got laughed at and nose turned up. And when I had business cards made and, uh, booklets put together to market myself and when I first trademarked my name Medusa over almost 40 years ago so yeah that was pretty amazing and being the first woman to do that it was such a privilege and I knew that um, when I went into wrestling when Kai Michelson approached me that I did my diligence to find out what I was getting into and I really looked at the women's wrestling and saw that what was out there and I said you know if I get into this, I really want to change the whole trajectory of women's wrestling and make it very serious. And so I started looking at, um, the Japanese wrestling and the men. And then I found the women. And then I'm like, this is going to be my goal. If I get in, I've got to. And then that's how I thought of my name. I I trademarked my name before I even got into wrestling. And I came up with that name just for wrestling before I got into it with the fact that I knew I was going to Japan when I didn't know when I was going to Japan, because I knew that's when I was going to targeted um, and hit the next level of wrestling and really be taken seriously. So that I don't, And it did. You know, I'm a visionary. You know, I I, uh, think of something, I plan it, I vision it, and I conquer. And I've been that way my whole life. Now, yeah, there's, you know, roadblocks and stuff in the way, but those walls are put there for a reason. Where
0: did you live in Japan? Did you live in the dojo? And explain the dojo to people that don't understand if you did.
1: So, the dojo is a place where just the wrestlers and stuff you train and you eat and live and sleep. And I mean, it is just ridiculous. And the training there I mean, I was, I didn't know what I was getting into, but I knew what I was getting into just for the little bit of research that I did way back then. It was like VHS days, you know, and it was very hard to come by. You'd have to order and whatever. And so, <clears throat> When I did get over there and sign my contract, um, I knew um, that uh, before we hit the road, um, I did have my own apartment. And my apartment, guys, was probably by a 10 by 12. And it was a bedroom, a cooking area and a bathroom all in one. Right. And it was like two thousand dollars back then. It was very expensive. And uh, um, but of course, I was on the road almost 300 days a year. So I wasn't at that apartment at all, hardly ever. And uh, the dojo was incredible. The training was incredible. Um, The All Japan Women's Pro Wrestling was very smart. They had their dojo below and they owned a restaurant above. And they had us work in the restaurant while training at the dojo. So when we were waitressing (laughs) and, you know, serving food and cooking up, when we weren't doing that and then cleaning the kitchen, we were down scrubbing the mat and cleaning that and training 24-7.
2: Now now the language, Barry, are you you're 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 the only American girl there? Are you do you have somebody you could communicate with and share your your problems with? Is it all Japanese? Did you learn the language? And and how how were the uh, how was how were you accepted being the only guijing there?
1: Gijing. Yes.
2: Or whatever the word is for one. No, you know. it is,
1: you're correct. Gaijin. Correct. And um, I never knew what henna meant for the longest time when they were telling me I was a henna gaijin. You know, I was a dork. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> 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 henna gaijin, henna gaijin. Oh, funny gaijin, funny gaijin. And uh, um, I, uh, I was the only American at first. But then they intermittently brought others in, like Leilani Kai. Um, I did wrestle her. And um, then I think after I was women wrestlers starting to come in more. Now I don't get the credit for this all thorough. I mean, fully, I mean, there were women over there before I was, I mean, I believe Sherry was there once twice, whatever, I think. And, um, Leilani Kai was there quite a, you know, a few times before I was, but they never signed a, a, a contract and I never got to wrestle with them over there. Now, um, but there, for those you know, three years solid, probably I was the only one. Um, the how I got my American fix, I would always go down to the Hard Rock Cafe Tokyo, <laughs> down at Rapungi and all of that, and go see the '80s rock and roll bands and um, just live my life. And um, so, yeah, I got to know a lot of great '80s bands back then.
0: That Hard Rock was a haven for American. <laughs> yeah
1: dude there's some great stories out of there um i'll leave that for my book um so uh yeah it was amazing i would never have traded that for anything in my life it helped hone my craft uh, it definitely um helped uh me and uh was it fair to say the
0: women's wrestling then it's kind of like the women's wrestling here now because you had jumping bomb angels back in the mid 80s i mean they they drew big big crowds it was legit serious wrestling and i say that in contrast to to what a lot that was going on here not as a demeaning way to say it, but that that mm-hmm. was going on here it was just kind of if you were a woman wrestler here you had to also be a valet and you didn't have many choices there you had entire divisions that were drawing big numbers in japan
1: I'm glad you said that. So the JB Angels and the Glamour Girls and Wendy Richter, um, the rock and roll wrestling era and stuff, they they are the ones that really, um, that, that was like leveling up. I mean, that was another change, another new era of women's wrestling that clearly does not get enough credit at all, at all. I mean, Wendy was pouring it in. Wendy was huge. Wendy was like a big character. I'm going to put her as equivalent as Hulk Hogan at that time and drawn in with Cindy Lauper and Lou Albano and, you know, the whole thing. And um, that was short lived. And I don't know why I do with conversations with Wendy, but that's her, you know, that's her deal to tell the story. So um, I think people, when they want to really look at good tag team wrestling in women's, I mean, I think that's very, that's a good place to start. Uh The storytelling was, is, is very good. Very good. I love those women. And I got to wrestle the jump, the J, the JB angels too. Um They were all kind of young. They were, they were in all Japan women's wrestling when I was there. So I got to wrestle them a lot. Awesome. It was an honor. I was like, Oh, shit. <laughs> Now, great.
2: now this this is the peak time in Japan, or, or starting with the peak time of the, the the Renaissance, so to say, of a ladies' Japan. Was was this was this what you visualized? Was this where you wanted to be, or did you have other lofty goals that you wanted to to move out back into the United States and create a scene and kind of revolutionize the uh, the style over here? Was that was that thought in your mind when? When you're doing and and, and don't say you're short, 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 you were you were revolutionized in Japan wrestling and, and women's wrestling worldwide at this time.
1: So I knew I had to get back to the States and that was my home. I wasn't going to stay in Japan forever, even though I wanted to. My heart will always be in Japan. I love Japan. I was just there a few years ago and I haven't, you know, just haven't missed a beat. And uh, the people are still amazing. But I knew that I needed to get back to the States because I I knew and understood the business that every two years as there's a turnover of fans, things change and you need to keep reinventing yourself. I knew this early, early on, that reinvention, reinventing yourself is very um, important in our business. Um, keeping who you are in the character and grounding, but you need to keep reinventing your style and whatnot. So I knew I needed to come back to the States. And when I saw what was going on, I'm like, oh, crap, man, I need to, um, you know, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I just, you know, I, I need to be silent about it almost. People knew who I was, um, but wasn't, didn't know anything about my style. Because if you really, I went from independence to straight to AWA in a short, short time, then straight to Japan for three years. And then, so I knew that I wanted to mix and and for the mix American and Japanese together. So coming back over, that's what I was planning on doing and just take it by storm and um, introduce a contact baddest bitch ever type of wrestling and I wanted to introduce it and let people know, let them know I was serious. I was a wrestler, damn it. And that's what I wanted. I didn't want to prance around and. you know, tits and ass all the time, even though beauty is important and you, your sexuality is, is what you're comfortable with. And, you know, I don't give a shit what everyone else thinks or says. And that's how I thought. I mean, I always beat to a different drum. I had my own rules um, and I tried to respectfully, you know, do other people's rules. But if, if I felt that it wasn't, conducive to what and where I wanted to go I was I wasn't going to do it and I passed good money at times because it wasn't something I believed you know that I believed in um a lot of the times through my life you know I chose that if it's unethical immoral or illegal I chose not to do it um there are things that I don't know if I I re like I I regret but um maybe there's things I could could have chose differently Uh, um, coming back to the states, um, I was feared. Um, I don't know why. Um, I yeah, I don't know why either yeah. okay. <laughs> I worked I, I was and I don't know why i I, I work stiff and I, I I think there's one thing in my mind that I felt here's this is what I learned early on and I felt that if I could do what I did and take what I did and if you're gonna be serious in our business, you better damn well be able to. That's how I felt. And I felt if you're coming in here for any other reason, then you shouldn't be in my business. So be ready to get your ass kicked. You should be able to take a freaking punch. And if you get kicked upside the head with a little bit of a, um, you know, an egg.
0: (laughs) <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, Okay, we can say we're sorry in the back and then suck it yeah. up, Buttercup. Well, right?
0: You understand that the the young people in dojos in Japan were treated like by today's standards, they'd be inhumane. You know, Jerry. And oh I- no,
1: no, it would. It's totally inhumane. I got beat with with bamboo sticks. I got yeah. I got knuckles cracked, broke out of position. I've got tendons ripped, tore. I've uh. I woke yeah, up, you
0: know, it, I woke it up was... almost
1: 48 hour or no, 28 hours later because I had both black and blue eyeballs and they let me sleep for almost a day and a half in the bus and I finally woke up. Wow.
0: And the bamboo not accidents, right? I mean, this was, this was by the instructors. This in- is
1: by the instructors when I was learning karate and stuff like that. Yeah.
2: Now you were learning all all this this mixed martial arts stuff at at the time, and I, I know at during that time Pride and One and, and all these other martial arts and combat sports started to evolve, and especially in Japan. I read where you you went over to Singapore and, and you knocked out the damn champion in one punch in one round. Were, were there promoters coming after you? I mean, did you ever think about it? Maybe I could get into mixed martial arts. Was it, was it a place where women could go at the time in Japan or was it still a male dominated controlled, uh, uh, sport there in Japan?
1: You know, in Japan, I don't know if it, they were looking at me as because I was American and like, Hey, let's just promote the crap out of her. Let's do everything we can. And, but I didn't feel like there was any of that. Like, you know, um, I just, they, they did so much for me. And I think Paulie may have been, or Paul Heyman may have been watching me back then. And that's why he came out with his story in Yahoo or Yahoo.com or whatever. He wrote that wonderful story. You know, um, she's Ronda Rousey before Ronda Rousey was Ronda Rousey. She was doing things. And well, that's so John, John and
2: I were talking about uh, in the beginning, you were kind of, the the forerunner to ronda rousey to 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 me and that's what i was telling john did that thought come into your mind that i hey i can go into this other world here and 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 be a world champion and be thought at as different or did that thought or where was you a pro wrestler
1: so um yeah so i was getting to that where i was wrestling and so and the promoters were pretty fair i mean it wasn't about man woman thing they were just they would just do all this crazy stuff. They'd say, "Hey, Medusa, you sing." I'm like, "I can't sing. We're crap." So all of a sudden, I was giving concerts. I had my own CDs. I was—I had this cult following, and I the CD was number one hit. And it was like, "What the hell's happening?" And then they said, "Okay, you're a good fighter. You're serious. You're a competitor. You need to be a boxer." I'm like, "What?" And then that's when they started, you know, having me train with the Muay Thai and the kickboxing and the karate. And they said, "Okay, you're going to Thailand." I said, "What?" And they're like, yeah, you fight. And I'm like, what? I'm like, I'm here to wrestle shit. And then, um, I'm like, okay, I can do that. (laughs) Okay. I never said no. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then I found out I really liked boxing and I was like, oh my God, this is awesome. Bam, bam. I was just like, oh my God, this is a whole nother field. And, um, So I actually right now, I can't remember if I had my boxing match first with Aja Kong or if I went over to Thailand and did my Muay Thai kickboxing. I I don't know. I can't remember what was first right now, but the blood and the gore and the broken bones and the gimmicks and everything that we did was almost, uh, I mean... It was incredible. And now the boxing was a shoot between Aja and I. The Thailand boxing was a shoot um, against their champion. They brought me over there like in this, I was scared to death. And um, she came out with this hairdress thing with this tassel and the Muay Thai shorts. And she did her little dance and came out. And I'm just standing in the corner going, oh, what did I get myself into? Oh, my God. And I was scared to death and she just like, boom, 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 like almost knocked me out and I was scared and I just knocked her out out of a punch. And they're like, Oh God, we need to get her out of here. She knocked the champ out and whatever. And so that was one lived. That was a one off. I got out of there. And, um, and then I continue have me box there. And I don't know if I, you know, started it or planned it, but I know it happened. And I know I liked it. And then there was Rumble. Back, back in the day, there was this guy with the, 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 the black promoter, the big hair, Don King, right? Is Don that him? King. Yes. Don King. Oh, my gosh. So there was a boxing woman's champion right around that time. She was the champion. Anybody remember her? So I got word that they were trying to contact me to see if I wanted and I was going to go and um, start training in his crib. Before I got back to the States and um, I decided not to because I thought it's more important to reinvent myself and get myself established as a wrestler to the States first and then I'll go revisit. Then it never happened. And I think that is one thing I wish I would have done. I think that's the one thing in my life I would have carried through. But who knows where my wrestling career would have been either.
2: You want yeah, to but who that? knows, uh, Ronda Rousey, I mean, you would, it would have been Medusa, you know, everybody talking about.
1: But it wasn't MMA back then. You know what I mean? Wasn't. There wasn't. And I can't remember saying, God, you know, I see those guys fighting. When did the women get There They were street
2: that? fights, literally street fights back in that one when, when they had those things, right?
1: Mm-hmm, yep.
2: Yes.
0: Uh, just, would you like to uh, sing us maybe a few bars about your from your number 1 hit song?
1: Uh, oh just, sure. Hold on.
2: Uh, <laughs> just, uh, okay, sure. Hold on. One second. Sing a few
1: lyrics. A mm-hmm. uh, first, here's a first on Briscoe Bradshaw. so. Me me Also,
2: I'm in love again.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) It says, let me come and whisper in your ear.
2: (laughs) Jerry
0: and I are very happy now.
1: Uh, Well, good. (laughs) I'm glad. Yay. Okay. And then so fast forward uh, through all of that. um, I just came back and it's like, I felt like everyone feared me and no one wanted to wrestle. And they're like, oh my God, Medusa. She's, she works snug and she's tight and she's, she's going to hurt. And, no, bitch! You just better grab a hold and follow through and listen. And if you don't like a snug hit, then you need to, you know, learn to. You said something
2: very important uh, right there. People, when you came back, you had this reputation of, you know, you, you you muay thai, you know, uh 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 judo, uh uh black belt, uh all the, all all these martial arts thing that, that was hot before they became hot, hot you know, mm-hmm. and to the general public. Now, I know as, as a guy that has a had a when you know, when a guy comes in has a reputation of you know being a, a shooter, being a, uh, somebody that can handle this,
1: but I never hurt anybody.
2: I know, well, I didn't either. I tried not to anyway. Well, okay, <laughs> me too. <laughs> so, uh, I will disagree with that, except for maybe lay a couple of times. I wanted yeah. to, but I just could. He has a high pain there, so but anyway, the, the, the you just said. The way you were looked at. Were you looked at as at, at, at the, the female talent in general? As this, they were afraid to get in the ring with you? Were, were, were they skeptical of it? Where did you go when you came back from Japan? Where was your first stop, and how how was your reception? And you know, with with that with that reputation hanging over your head.
1: Well, I knew I had to come back and reinvent myself, and I wasn't with any or you know top organization, so I knew I needed to work my way in. And so just with those titles and being in Japan, it scared the crap out of everybody. And I had all eyes on me. And so I just work independence, you know, for a little bit. Um, I think that's when I was started working independence for with John or maybe. And we started doing some things across. Um, and I think that's a um, good story there with Jake, when he locked me in the room with his snake mm. and his python or whatever. What? That was in the Philippines.
2: Yeah. Tell us that story.
1: Oh my God. What Stop kind of snake? S O B. It was the white one with the gold. I yeah. I was I it, it deep? I don't know. But it didn't bite me. But so <laughs> I had a closet, at least a dress in, and or whatever, at you know, in Philippines. And the guys were all out in their room. And um I went in. And I closed the door and I barely did like two steps in, and the door comes flying open. And all of a sudden, you see the bag slide, and here comes the white frick. It. And I was like, I scream bloody. Fr- you could hear Jake and them out there. Oh my, how oh, you Everything I could s. O. B. And there's nothing but walls, nothing but walls. And all of a sudden, I see like this thing, this pipe or something, and I'm crawling. I'm crawling up a wall on a pipe up into the ceiling. Sure is crap. Here comes this freaking snake on a flat wall, and I'm like just ready to freaking die. And I'm calling him like you, and you can just hear him. Then you know, of course, he comes in, and the snake's coming right at. Oh, I. I think I pooed myself. I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, that was Jake. That was my, like, introduction to Jake the Snake.
0: Hey, tell us about the intro to uh, Johnny Valentine. Johnny Valentine was the greatest <laughs> of all time. But, in fact, I, I wrestled. Johnny
1: great- wasn't really small time. I was he? one time Did-
0: down in Waco. And somebody got mad at Jimmy Crockett. And they wouldn't put out posters of the event. So nobody showed up to this match. And in, in the heart of Texas Arena in Waco, it's me and Greg Valentine on top except for Johnny Valentine shows up <laughs> and all of a sudden Valentine turns into this hammer and tong shooter. I'm like, what happened to you? There's no one here. He can work on like half an hour. And he just beat the living hell out of <laughs> his dad's there. Like, Look, it's not my dad. I'll, I'll put you over. I Please, please stop. But Valentine was his, Johnny was a tough, tough old man. Tell us about yeah. when you met him at dinner. <laughs> Because Johnny was also crazy. It,
1: yeah. So um, Greg and I go way back. And uh, um, so Greg and I, we were, where, where did his daddy live then? Te- where was it?
2: I don't know. When I was so great, he lived in Charlotte for a long time. Then he lived in Tampa. Then he lived out in Texas and uh, Fort Worth, I believe. In the far. early
1: years, like in the nineties, he lived or oh, anywhere. I think it was Texas or whatever. So we met him for dinner, Johnny, and we were sitting at the restaurant and we're just giggling. And those boys were being boys. And I don't know if his dad was testing me to see like if I was like uh, if he could um, do ribs or if I was accepting, if if he could accept me or if he could pull one over me. But Greg and him and I were eating at the table. In a restaurant? In At the restaurant. And Greg was just sitting there and he's, and Greg just started giggling. And I'm kind of, you know, just, I'm known with the boys that I don't sell shit. Right. So I'm sitting there and all of a sudden (laughs) something's going on. And fucking Johnny Valentine's pissing under the table in the restaurant while we're eating. (laughs) I'm like, what the? And I, I can't remember if I. I don't think I sold it.
2: Is This post, <laughs> this is post accident, right? Post flight. I'm
1: not sure. Yes. Yeah. Because he's they
2: crazy, in a wheelchair, or crippled, or something at like that time. Huh?
1: No, I don't. Yeah, but he was still. I'm. Let me tell you, he still. He's still Johnny. I mean, no, either that way. that was, was Johnny. I'm telling you, he did it because they started laughing their ass off, and and Greg says, "You just you you know you're not gonna." gonna he's our dad. <laughs> oh my! He peed. He just suddenly just whipped it out and pissed under People the table. People understand
2: that, that this it was good. one of the, what, was it one of those
1: loud, long ones. <laughs> of <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I probably I don't know. I probably had jeans on, so I probably had it all up my leg. I don't know. <laughs> oh my he god!
0: People don't understand that that's crazy stuff like that was not abnormal.
1: But. It was a rib. He did it as a rib, not because of whatever. And he was just testing me to see if I was, you know, the up and up. Can you
0: imagine someone doing that today? Like some wrestler, you know, some, somewhere just...
1: They get <laughs> hauled off to jail and handcuffs and, you know, have to... Crit- yeah, let me tell you uh, some of these plane rides is where half the shit went down too, you know, and I just rooms and what <laughs> <laughs> you
0: Jerry, Jerry, Jerry and I a to one. <laughs> that's named just the plane ride from hell. So yes. See? The we're,
1: plane ride from hell. Well, were you on that one?
2: Jerry and I both were.
1: Oh, you that's too. Oh my god.
2: I don't remember it though.
1: Yeah. Nice. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Right. Is that what we're doing? We're going to say we don't, that's a nice way to get out of everything nowadays. I don't remember that.
2: Four o'clock. I don't recall. I don't recall that, sir. We
1: went <laughs> to
0: customs in Hartford and uh, Jerry and Michael Hayes almost get into a fight in customs. It was <laughs> pretty, pretty. <laughs> interesting. The undertaker had to step in and among others and
2: separate, the, separate the two.
1: Yeah. It was quite like interesting.
2: That. They weren't yeah. pushing Michael very hard to separate. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they were trying to egg you too on. I'm sure, I'm sure as well. Yeah, there's some uh, some amazing ribs. There's some amazing ribs back in my time. Some not too good, and some just funnier than hell.
2: Well, can you recall one that you're allowed to tell on a family show that would uh, that that uh, that that would fit?
1: Um, yeah.
2: no. I hate I hate those questions because they can oh. put you on such a spot because no 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 some... I'm
1: good I'm good okay um okay how about no not that one either
2: <laughs> no
1: um no no I'm gonna save them for my book all right I'm telling you guys they're amazing they're amazing and they, like like John saying if any of this crap was done today you know I'm everything would be canceled on her ass
0: <laughs> for your book yes like this is the biggest show in the
2: world me and briscoe show
1: oh is that it is the Time to Day yeah.
2: we'll the sell biggest... you a million copies just off this one story no alone.
1: i just want to sign yeah okay no um uh well let's see i gotta okay this ain't a plain one but I got. The, we were talking about Michael Hayes earlier, remember? And I said, oh, "I got a Michael Hayes story." So this sob um, was. So I was wrestling, and um, it was the whole Paul Heyman thing, whatever. And his big ass was out in the corner, right? He's like, I don't know. He was supposed to take it, like he probably felt like he wasn't going to do this for a woman back then. So there was a spot. I was getting up to the top turnbuckle, and I was going to come out and do a cross body onto michael hayes that son of a bitch moved and i freaking hit that concrete and busted my foot in half and i remember it swelled up like a mofo and right away i knew i looked right at him and he freaking started running and i was like i am gonna kill you i'm gonna kill you i ain't catching a woman i'm like well did you want to tell me this when, you know going over the spot or something I'm like, I will never forget that. So I remember I just took duct tape and typed my, and, you know, wow taped my foot and freaking kept, yeah.
2: That's how it was back in there, right? You got no medical uh, help backstage. You mm-hmm. just, uh, if you're lucky, somebody had a roll of tape and you just taped yourself up and you went on to the next town. Yeah. I mean, it was a, it yep. was, it, people don't realize how brutal the lifestyle was in the medical care. We had, we had no, there were no uh, commissions that you got to have a doctor at every event or, you know, promoters. I got a doctor here for you if you need any help. You were on mm-hmm. your own. I mean, how many times do you roll in so sick to, from the flu or something like that?
1: I never missed a spot. In I never missed years. a spot.
2: I mean, that that's so way I'm I never
1: work. missed a match, never missed anything for yeah, 18, yeah. 19 years.
2: Never, uh, never you, missed you, a
1: flight. Never missed a flight wow
2: well, well i i know you know i sometimes i feel like i'm being stalked i'm never missing a flight i always get on these planes john and i i said the second or third row all the time and i i, I noticed like you know you, you get this creepy feeling some sometimes some somebody's <laughs> watching somebody's looking at, and i for like like six months in a row I mean she wasn't working you know she was doing her own thing with the trucks and you know, promotional and, and man, what, a what a brilliant lady this is and I'd like to really get into all the businesses that you 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 you, you you've owned and operated and built up uh, over your years it's, it's just been phenomenal you're a fantastic business but I was being stalked by Medusa I'd get on this plane and all of a sudden I'd I, that's my deuce up there. You know, she'd look back and give me a wink or give me a beautiful smile, you know, and I was happy and the guy next,
0: who's that?
2: <laughs> but every, every week, time three, we were on a plane together, at least six weeks, six, eight weeks in a row. And just that, just real random. And I felt like I was being stalked by it.
1: Whatever. It was funny. Every time we'd be on the same flights and it would be because monster trucks, um, would be at a facility and then we would be coming home and you guys would be coming in to wrestle at the same place. So it was pretty exciting. We, so we were always passing each other's on the flights. It was, great that was my
2: Delta you know. relationship. Delta, it was my <laughs> Delta relationship. <with> you. <laughs> Everybody Delta has an airplane class, relationship, baby. That was my relationship. I could add a better one, but mm. uh, you know, it's something I find really, really cool. And, and cause he's such an interesting man. Your, your deal with Paul Heyman, uh, you know, and your your, your your ringtone with Paul Heyman, that had to be so unique with you, you know, because that that's a defenseless man that you were taking advantage of out
1: there. Uh, Paul was um, so… Helpless. <laughs> <laughs> Paul was uh, – he was very helpful. And I I didn't know why. And I never felt that threat from Paul, which was really nice. And I think that's why Paul and I gravitated towards each other so well. And in business, it was strictly business since day one. And I think he saw a lot in me. And uh, he helped uh, catapult that to the next level in WCW. And he knew I was serious. He knew I was business. He knew I wasn't just a flighty woman. And um, I wasn't there just for the TNA and a good role in the sack type of thing. And I wasn't there for a casting couch position. So he knew I was serious. And uh, when he did and he invested in me uh, as far as his time and his knowledge, um, it helped excel my career. It was him that helped, you know, put me on the map there to do more. Um, The first stint with WCW um as far as my interviews and etc um and then uh aligning myself with the uh, da the dangerous alliance which was probably the best fraction ever so i'm just saying um and it was so much fun working with all of those huge talented men uh uh bobby bobby uh eaton My gosh, there's a man that doesn't get enough credit at all. Bobby was one of the best wrestlers to watch. He was so fun. His psychology for the business was great for me. I I would watch him a lot. Um, And of course, all of them were good. I mean, Arn Anderson, oh my God, what a guy. What a great guy. He was, uh, I mean, he couldn't stand that when I would have to do interviews and I'd have to do like 20 takes. And then he got, he would sit there and do his little shit over here and tell me to hurry up and all of that. And I was in the middle of my interview and I took off my high heeled and I flung it at him and he cut, he ran out of the room. <laughs> and, uh, but he was an amazing wrestler. I mean, all of them. It was so great to share the the screen and the, you know, the 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 whole wrestling business with them.
0: I always thought Rude was one of the greatest heels of all time. And I don't oh my know, God. He was, it, he
1: could egg it. things on, right? Oh my God.
0: he I mean, was Rude to me was just everything, everything you want in a heel. It was Rick Rude. Everything and it was all
2: natural. Like Rick, the thing about Rick, Rick was such a natural. I mean, nothing that, that you saw on TV, I don't think was not Rick Rude. He had, he had that, on the outside driving a car. He just had that natural attitude, that natural look is such a such a handsome man and such I a mean, handsome, cocky,
1: arrogant, but he was funny. He was quiet. So you know who traveled together? It was Rick Paul and I rick made paul drive i had to sit in the passenger seat and he sat in the back with the windows up locked smoking the freaking dope and i was choking because i didn't get high <laughs> and they were laughing their ass off and i i mean i was screaming crack the freaking windows crack the windows He's back there <laughs> deucey. you know like dude i can't do this did he blow it on you did he what blow it on you oh of course the whole it was like cheech and chong dude it was cheech <laughs> and chong in the car
2: you said you didn't get you couldn't get help, but get high in that in that in that car with, 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 with high. and 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 the ones that he would twist up i mean you're <laughs> right it was cheat and chong joints wasn't those little little nickel joints like oh this. they
1: were that <laughs> yeah
2: exactly <laughs> like that
1: oh my god but what a I, I mean he he really pushed hard for me to stay with him um he's i mean he I mean it yeah I mean I didn't like the management position not I'm not saying with Rick I'm just saying cuz I wanted to wrestle I wasn't the manager girl but there wasn't much more to do and there was running out of people and you know so hey why not it worked and it gave me this whole different level that what I could do and it, it you know it really expanded my abilities so I was like okay I can do this You had the
2: best seat in the house to learn from one of the best right there at ringside with, with Rick, Rick, Rick Rick was one of these talents to me that never wasted a move everything he did as kind of like Jake Roberts. And I think that's why Jake blended so well together because there were no wasted motions in there. There were no wasted spots, everything fit. And I mean, and most of it was from Phil in the ring was the amazing part about those. Two you know
1: clothes. who else it was great to be with was a uh, Curt Henning.
2: Her oh. Kurt's another one that's God. just a natural like
1: that. Holy crap! Oh my. So you gosh. had
2: some of the uh, some of the best uh, tutelage uh, in the business, and Paul Heyman's mind to go along with it. That that had to put a lot in your mind on, on the focus and the direction of where you're gonna go.
1: It was so much overload, though. You know, I just, if oh, it was just so much overload, you know, having so much great talent all in one, trying to get into my brain and realizing what I had. I wish I would have soaked up more. I wish I could have, you know. Hell, you had
2: it in the car. Most of people nowadays don't have it in a damn locker room with 90 people in there. What you had out of those three people.
1: Yes, sir. Yes sir I'm just I'm very grateful very lucky to live when I did I'm very grateful to be in the time that I was um I truly believe that every era has an important era men or women in this business and I I believe that it um I believe that we not only grow but it it the evolution of each decade I guess of wrestling you can say grows and you learn and you move on and you move on um, I like where we're at today for the women's wrestling. Um, I think there's some phenomenal women. I think that we're almost circling back to where, where I was. Cause I, I mean, I, it gets to the point where I get so sick of hearing like, Oh, you're so ahead of your time. You were so ahead of your time. And I was, and I am. And, um, but I take that as a compliment. Um, however, When I got inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2015, John, and I told you this in the interview that I seen Vince for the first time, I was like, oh, hell, I don't know how this is going to go. But it was the best introduction. And we hugged and held. And the first thing I said is that, gosh, I'm so sorry. And he said, you know, we I knew then where the women were going in that conversation by what he told me was the I mean, best compliment ever. Um, just everything. I always felt that I was a Vince girl, and because I always I loved the business and I loved the company, and I was doing well, and that was the person they could always count on. But I didn't. I, I, I dis I disagreed with how they let me go. <laughs> but um, I, I love felt that I was, love
2: the, I love the story uh, on get into you follow in over the how they let you go. But uh, yes. you, your your deal that when when they brought you in, you 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 had you had. You had them still when you told Vince, no, you can't have my name. I mean, I, how many people tell Vince, no, John, and then you get whatever the hell you want. Well, I mean, we're, we're you, going you way back.
1: Yeah, yeah, we're going way back before I got into WWF at the time. Um, and it, it, I, it was thanks for, you know, to Greg Valentine. He's the one that um, um, called or reached out to Pat Patterson and said, you really need to take take a check, you know, take a look. Check this chick out. Right. And so if it wasn't for that inf- introduction, I don't know if I would have ever had the opportunity to go visit and talk to Vince and WWF. However, when I spoke to Vince on the phone and everything was good and and uh, we were talking about names, you know, what, what do you think about a name? And, you know, I'm like, he's like, well, you know, Medusa is good. And I'm like, well, I don't know. I don't think so. Um, I, I really, um, I really like that name. I trademarked it. I, let's think of another name. And, and then on the phone, it was like silent. And I was like, you know, oh shit, I'm, I'm fired before I'm even hired. What a dumbass. <laughs> and then he continued to talk and he was like, okay, we can think of another name. And that's how we came up. Him and I came up with Alundra Blaze. There was another name beforehand. And I'm, I'll reveal that in the book. It's pretty amazing. But we went with the Lunderblaze.
0: Right. Well, after that, shortly, Vince is going to build what he built now, the women's division. Uh, yes,
1: thank you. Yeah, so circling back, um, when we hugged in and said, I'm sorry, and everything, and, and uh, Vince, I was just like, and I was in rollers. What the hell? You see Vince for the first time in 20 years, like, hi, I'm in rollers and no makeup. Yeah, He was, oh, you look beautiful. I'm like, wow. Well, damn I said damn you look good Vince that's the first thing that came out of my mouth because he did he looked amazing and uh, he goes well thank you you know Vince thanks and uh, um, then we start talking and um, and he said you know with the women's uh, division where we want to go is we want a woman like yourself the woman that is um, uh, athletic and strong and independent and um, you know the woman like when he first hired me, that's the direction that they're going to go. And I was like, oh, my gosh, we are what we want. I forgot how he said it. Oh, you are what we want in today's woman. Something like that. And I just if you could have seen me gushing inside, it was just like, oh, my God, that was like, holy crap. It was amazing. And so I knew exactly where the women were going to go. You know, if they kept at it and kept hard and. And I was like, here we are. Fast forward, way ahead of my time. Yep. And this is exactly what we were doing, you know, 20, 30 years ago. And I love it. If I if I was in today's women's wrestling, I would be like.
2: Who, who you know, would be your dream so like, match? Who would be your dream match? I up?
1: want a retirement match. I mean, I mean, everything is always spoke about from the Attitude Era forward, like those women before that never existed. Excuse me. But there's plenty of women even before me that existed and none of us would be gracing, you know, women's wrestling. If it wasn't for that, we get that. However, if I could have a retirement match, I would love a retirement match, but I'm, you know, Hey, I'm getting older. I'm not younger. So it needs to happen like now. And, um, I feel like if I still could stretch in fact, Briscoe, Jare, I think I'm going to come down and take a few lessons from you. I'm on down, Yeah, baby. And then some good verbiage from you, John, you're good on the mic and you're good with those one-liners. So what a great package. And um, so I, I don't know. I, I, you know, everyone says, Oh, they, they, they want the queen. Well, Charlotte is not the queen. She's not the original queen. If you look at the first WWF um, the woman's tops card that they came out with, they called me queen Alundra. So I feel that the great retirement match is to divine. who is and who was the first queen? Um, I think Charlotte would be a great one to um, have my retirement match. I mean, I, everything about it, right? Natalia. And there's would be so great. many you have
2: to pick from now. I mean, there anything, is, and do how do you just pick one? Now they're phenomenal. I mean, I watch yes. them, and I think it's the greatest growth spurt of in any 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 segment of our business. It is the ladies. I enjoyed watching their matches so much.
1: Mm-hmm. And they, they've come a long way. And again, this era, just like any other era, they're going to grow and the next level of women are going to come in whatever happens there. And, and you uh, were the spark of that. I, I was a part of it. I was a well, part of it.
0: Just, I want to ask you about that because you, you were a spark, especially for the Monday Night Wars, which created the Attitude Era, which got us to where we are now. And I want to ask you if we would get... where we are now without that attitude error because when you went down to wcw vince uh had to cancel the women's division didn't have to he chose to because of he chose to money issues in the WWE. yes let's
1: let's stop right there though he chose to do that now when i got let go i got let go by a fedex letter i don't know if that was a thing back then but it was a damn fedex letter and um i was like what the hell is this like, why, why is this happening? Right. You know, why, why did just the women get let go? And that's what fueled me. It pissed me off. I was the face of the company with the women in, in that company. Um, they could always rely on me on a piss test. They, I was never late. I always showed up for my matches and I trained hard and I could wrestle like the guys. What was wrong with that? Well, business is business. Miss Michelli. I'm talking to myself here, as I'm saying. And, um, I was angry at the situation and how it did it and why they just let the women go. If you have problems, I thought, well, gosh, the guy on, on Vince's defense in the same freaking breath, he was going through IRS scandals, steroid scandals, and those other things. So there was a lot going on. He almost had to close his door. He There was a time when he didn't know if he was going to be Happening then, so they needed to probably clean, downsize, get rid, and focus. I, mean, I understand yeah. that. I understand that. I get that. But to just to let the women go, guess what? What what showed me and proved to me that they weren't thinking right, and that they did have a lot on their mind. They let me go, and I was still champion. So I knew it wasn't personal.
0: And you had the opportunity then for the former gopher from AWA <laughs> who's now going in the Hall of Fame, Eric Bischoff, uh, who was at the time Vince's biggest.
1: Don't tell I see you're stirring shit already. No, no, no. You no, no. are stirring. No, you're an egger. Yeah. You're yeah, an egger.
2: Yes. Oh, no. You're right. You're Bischoff, right. Bischoff, Degas. Uh, and, for- and, and, and to top it off, the people that we've had on have, uh, when, when they go to return belts, we've had several guys on that's returned the belt and not, the, the exact condition that that that's they right. were presented about that's right stand, stand so ahead. that's where he's getting to.
1: yeah oh okay okay so
0: you go down you get the opportunity to go to WCW and I'll, just, I'll get, let you go back to it but then you know you drop the the title in, in the trash can but then you have Brett going down to WCW because of what you had done Vince can't allow Brett to take the title so well, I'm
1: really glad that like, they're up on things and are paying attention to the men and not the women. Oh, okay. Go ahead. I'm
0: saying they created the attitude era that created oh. Mr. McMahon, the evil owner and Mike Tyson gets brought in. The, the whole thing changes and the women's wrestling kind of devolved into a <laughs> showcase for, you know, for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one of my question is if you hadn't gone so far away from the physicality of actual wrestling, do you think the pendulum would have swung back as quick to come back to? Then you had Lita and Trish. Now you have an entire women's division tag team champions. It's equal to the men's. Do you think if you hadn't had the Attitude Era, you would have got to where we are now today? Because the way the pendulum switched uh, sw- moved the other way.
1: Um, as I said previously, our business changes every. Um, it had well, it changes. like the fans every two to three years. However, the pinnacle of our business, if you do the history, it has like eight, seven, ten years. Boom, 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 boom. But um, it has its highs and lows. So the attitude era was strong. It was edgy. It was different. It was perfect at that time, whatever happened. Right. And then it started diving. Right. It needed a change. And so They started changing the trajectory of the women's wrestling and started getting a little serious and invented and did the divas title. So that was revolutionary. And then they even made it more stronger. So do I think it wouldn't have or would have? I I mean, we need change. Change happens for a reason, just like the seasons and stuff. And we need to clean and and regroup. And we need mistakes. We need things in our face. We need to falter and go up and down. We, you know, failure is just a, like I said before, and, and failure is a blueprint, not a destination. And I, I feel that anything that if we fail, we learn, we succeed, we rise and um, we reinvent again. So I think every era has been in a very important era. It has taught us things. It has brought us to higher heights, and it's going to continue to do that. Um, I don't think I don't think without the attitude era we would be where we're at today. Because it is as with time, the old school days. As we were talking about, could we get by with this today? What would happen today? Could you pee in the restaurant today? No, 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 no. Would the attitude era today be today? hell, fuck. Damn, there'd be so many people. Are you kidding me? Probably not. I know. Now we're being introduced to so much more. It's okay to have intergender wrestling and in, in all walks of life. Um, the acceptance is change. And either you're going to be a horse and buggy and get left behind, or you're going to buy a first class ticket to the first ride to the moon you know? So, and I'll never forget when I was uh, sitting in my first financial meeting in the WWF at the time, and they're just trying to introduce how to take care of our money. I shit, I never made enough money to even care to <laughs> how to take care of my money back then. But I listened because I was an entrepreneur and I wanted to hear what they had to say. And I'll never forget, like, um, Shane, he was so young, kids running around, And um, there later on, Shane said, I think it was at um, Mula's Inductions Hall of Fame speech that I did. I don't know where it was, but he said, I am going to someday have WrestleMania on the moon. And I'll never forget that ever, ever, ever. So the next pendulum, I think, men, is maybe your first ride of WrestleMania on the moon.
2: Jerry, you going to the moon? I'll be the <laughs> first. I'll be our first opponent on the moon. I'll be looking at, I'll be, I'll, I'll, I'll do the count. And I'll look at the North Star. I told you so, Alondra. We made it.
1: <laughs> yeah. To the moon, Alice.
2: To the moon. To the moon. Hey, Alondra, before we let you go, I want
0: to ask you real quick about the, the monster truck. Mm. Do- in 2005, you defeated Dennis Anderson, who was your mentor, the great mm-hmm. digger, uh, one of the greatest of all time. You become a world champion, first female yes. world champion. Which was more fun for you? or, or is, it a way, is there a way to compare? Winning the championship in Japan uh, or winning the world championship with monster trucks? How do you compare the two? <sighs>
1: you do and you don't with wrestling it's entertainment and um there are huge goals to be set within the entertainment business but you have to be a bit narcissistic to be in this business a little bit really and and so And so I learned that when I was in the hallways walking with Macho Man through the airport. And every time we walked through the airport together and the sun would be shining through the big mirrors and you could see on the other side your silhouettes, he'd stop and go. Whoa. I'm like, God, these are some narcissistic men. God dang. Anyway, so um, I feel that um, with wrestling it was a competitiveness, but within our own body and around the people it, because it's not a competition. Uh, it's more of a, it's more of a, um, self-fulfillment, um, career. And, um, because you actually don't ever win anything. You win what you put out there and the goals that you that you set. And uh, it's up to your performance and how you do that and choosing the correct avenues, right? But you are never the winner. You are given the greatest opportunity in in the lifetime when a promoter chooses you to give you the title, right? He trusts you. He trusts you with that title, to represent that company. So that says everything. And that's that's, that's what win.
2: you win there. That's when you win. You won
1: the, that's, of the promoter. That's when you win when you've earned the respect of that. And so I feel that's how I won in wrestling. Now with Monster Trucks, I'm just an adrenaline freaking monster competitive baddest bitch ever and i my god when i got in this truck i i mean it gave me more horsepower than my harley davidson right that i ride every day and i'm like this i mean we're talking like you know 1800 horsepower i mean who who has that I'm going to get in that bitch and go to my grocery store. Look out. Right. So I get, oh my gosh, when I was introduced to that, I got a phone call and just said, Deuce, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm getting the hell out of wrestling. This shit's changing. I can't stand this crap. This is not, this is not, it's going somewhere where I ain't. So he goes, well, do you think about driving a monster truck? And this is Mike Weber. He worked in uh, WCW at the time. I remember Mike. Yeah. Mike, Great. great guy. Great guy. And um, if it wasn't for Mike, I would have never been able to drive monster trucks. Wow. And yeah, so he left wrestling and went into uh, the monster truck business. And he, I guess they asked him, look, we need a woman to drive a truck. We never had a woman. We need some asses in the seats. We need somebody who's got cri-. He's like, oh, I got the girl for you, <laughs> right? And so he called me and I said, Michael, what are you talking about a monster? I've never seen one. I've never driven one. What are you, crazy? He goes, well, I'm like, Okay whatever. All right. You know, me and then I'm sitting there thinking now, what did I get myself into again? Right. So they flew me out and I test drove the truck and and upside down. And Dennis Anderson was there um, just listening to him, watching his whole body language. And I got in that bitch with no fear. And it was a perfect marriage. One of my I'm not going to say one of my better marriages because I'm in the best marriages I've ever been right now. So um, back then it was one of my best marriages and uh, it was the best. And so I got out of the truck after digging it out of a freaking pond upside down. And I landed and they said, have you ever driven one? And I said, no, sir. And they said, you're hired. And then the next weekend, I was entertaining kids and people of alike, 60,000 of them every day of my life for the last 18, 19 years. And I was just in Australia last year driving the trucks as well. And uh, it's been so amazing. And then when I knew Um, That that is my God, when I was in that truck, I knew there was no stopping me and I was serious and I got into it and I drove down the highway into, you know, within the rig, putting up the monster truck, taking them down the wheels, working on the damn thing with my crew chief. And my crew chief and I were in sync. All I would have to do is drive it, and I could feel when I could hear the motor. I never wore um, earplugs; I just had my helmet on, because I'm one of those racers where I need to feel and hear the motor. And I could just hear—I could hear a screw drop out after that loud motor, and I'd go back and say, um, "Rear left lower casing." Da 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 da. And he'd be back there fixing it. And we'd be on. Well, that type of um, understanding. Um, led me to win the 2004 freestyle championship ever. And then in 2005, I won the first ever um, racing championship against my mentor, Dennis Anderson. And it was one of the most amazing times of my life because it was real competition and it was man against woman, Chevy against Ford. And I'm telling you... (laughs) it was incredible and it, a teacher against student and if that wasn't the most marketing thing um that they never did with well oh well but it was the best and um yeah that's how that happened awesome yeah, yeah. oh by yeah. the way hold on well by, by mm-hmm. the way uh, mm-hmm. is that the <laughs> one that's my monster truck
2: oh that's awesome uh, John 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 and truck. I mean, you could have given him some, some lessons. John Smith, John had an old truck, and you know, he went back home to uh East Texas, West Texas, wherever the hell his home is, Sweetwater, Texas. And oh, so Sweetwater he he bought this old pickup truck. And you know the saddlers, Hermie and, and Elliot. Yes. they big, big, big grassing fans. So he befriended them and so. Hey, I got this truck. Hey, you know, we'll build it $50,000 later. They built this big engine and stick in this old damn truck. So, John back home, you know, here he is, WWE superstar. Now he's got a pickup truck that'll start and make his noise and shake the entire hometown. So, he decided he's going to go down to Del Taco and treat, treat his buddies to Del Taco in his truck. So he gets out, and I heard all the high school sweethearts that he had, you know, that he accumulated off. They're like, you know, you know, like these small towns. They just line up the thoroughfare. Well, at the, the Del Taco, they had a line of all these his old girlfriends there. So he gets there, he places his order. Thank you, Mr. Layfield. He had to crank it up. So he gets up the order route uh, window, and they had to shut it off. He goes to crank the damn thing back up, and the damn thing won't crank. Now, now he's got his big Texas ass <laughs> out. Him and all of his buddies pushing his truck in front of his old, all of his old girlfriend. Yeah,
0: you left out a couple
2: of issues here. You're pretty, <laughs> you're pretty accurate,
0: except for the fact we're in Tyler, Texas. We're wrestling in Tyler, Texas at the uh, the the old palace. Uh, call the Coliseum, said whatever it is right there in time. Well, i place. Right. Yeah. And so I'm driving my truck to show the boys. I do go through Del Taco, and I do <laughs> break down and up to Del Taco. But then I have to walk in front of all the wrestling fans because my truck has broke down. <laughs> <laughs>
1: no. Oh, your poor ego. Oh my god!
0: <laughs> it was hot. It was really hot.
1: Oh my gosh! And you he told me the Do you have pictures
0: of that truck? Of course, I do. Yeah, it was a 1980 Chevy Stepside, 500 um, horsepower motor. Herbie's
1: oh my motor. God. Oh my God, that's Absolutely. so cool. So, my goal here is I, after I restore my grandmother's Harley, um, I have my grandmother's Harley now in the Your garage. And I'm Harley, it. I love that. What?
0: Your grandmother's
1: Harley? Yeah, she's 98. I have it wow. now. She just retired it. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, I'm going to restore it and stuff. It's an old, old Harley. And, um, So my goal, you're talking about trucks, is I I wanted the old uh, 72, 72, 73 with the slanted nose Ford pickup. The old, oh my God, that's my dream truck. Yeah, that's my next.
0: Well, Medusa, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, And and in all seriousness, are Jerry and I the best uh, host you've ever been with?
1: Well, Jerry is.
2: (laughs) Thank you. I hate you. (laughs)
1: You're both the best. I love both of you. You're amazing. And Jerry, I'll see you back on Delta someday, my dear. I hope
2: so real soon.
1: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you guys so much. I wish you you much success. Yes.